In this episode, I'm going to have an interview with Todd Larson, the executive co-director of Green America. This is the Impact Financial Planners Podcast with Bill Holiday, brought to you by AIO Financial, a fee-only fiduciary financial planning firm specializing in socially responsible investing at AIOfinancial.com. Thank you very much for joining me on this episode. I'm glad to have Todd Larson or an interview with Todd Larson on this uh, episode. He's the executive co-director of Green America, which is a nonprofit organization. They've been around for 35 years um, trying to create a green or pushing our economy more green. And he is um, responsible for planning, direction, oversight of Green America's engagement with individual members and the general public, as well as with corporations that are targeted by the consumer campaigns. Prior to this position, he managed Green America's corporate engagement and policy programs, including climate action, fair trade, better paper, social investing, Oversee in, he oversaw all the campaigns, which included clean energy, victory bonds, GMO inside, raise the bar Hershey, break up with your mega bank. We at AIO Financial are members of Green America, and we've been glad to be listed in their directory. Um, and so I'm going to go right to the interview with Todd. All right. Welcome, Todd, and thanks for joining me on this podcast. Great. Thanks for having me as a guest. Yeah. Could you give us a brief description of Green America, some of the services and, and areas you cover? I know it's a broad, you, you work on quite a few things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Green America is a national nonprofit organization. We've been around for about 35 years and our focus is on creating a green economy. So we're engaging consumers, investors, and businesses alike in what they can do to create an economy that actually works for people on the planet. And within all that work, we do reach a large consumer audience and give people tips and strategies to green their lives and how they can use their assets to create a greener world and also how they can take action to get corporations to green the world. We have a business network of about uh, 3,000 businesses nationwide. Uh, there are smaller businesses, and they're all very green companies that we've certified so people can feel good about purchasing from those companies. And then we also do supply chain work. So we work with large corporations all the way down to workers or farmer level, and how uh, across the entire supply chain we can create a greener economy in food and things like uh, manufacturing. Uh, so we, no we have a number of working groups that actually help the whole supply chain become green. Well, and with that supply chain, that's Green America staff that are working on greening up the whole, uh, the whole system? Yeah, yeah. So what we found as an organization is we've been doing um, corporate campaigns and we we're asking companies to make commitments to do things that were either green and or um, benefited workers. And when we finally got companies to the table, what we found out is a lot of them genuinely didn't know how to implement what we were asking them to do. Uh, so out of that... Oh. And we decided, well, actually, we, we could help you. Um, and not only are we going to help you, but we're going to help your competitors uh, and everybody else in your supply chain. So, for example, we did a campaign uh, a few years ago to try and get the Apple Corporation to remove harmful chemicals from their supply chain. Uh, 
And the campaign succeeded in that Apple said, yes, we're going to start eliminating some of the most toxic chemicals in our supply chain. Uh, and then we asked them, well, how about tackling all the chemicals in your supply chain that workers are exposed to? And the realization was that Apple alone would have a hard time doing that with all of its supplier factories because those factories also are the suppliers for all their competitors. So then we're like, well, why don't we bring everybody around the table then and work collaboratively together about how you can remove chemicals from the supply chain. So now lots of large corporations work with us in that sector and also academics, uh, representatives from factories and workers uh, are all sitting around the table together and mapping out how do you get rid of a lot of these toxic chemicals. Oh, that sounds like a big undertaking. I mean, dealing yeah. with several companies and even technology of how else do you clean these things or, or whatever they're doing with the chemicals? Right, right. So a lot of it is actually finding a substitution that works well and is affordable and that can be swapped in for a, a more harmful chemical. It's also a lot about educating workers um, so that they understand, even if you're working with a lower toxic chemical, a lower toxicity, you know, you still want to have protection in place and you still want to protect your health. So um, there's the worker education piece, the swapping out of the most toxic chemicals and figuring out what the substitutions are. Yeah. That's super. How big is Green America? Like how many staff do you have? We have approximately 40 people who work for Green America. Um, many of them are based in Washington, D.C. That's our headquarters. But we also have staff around the country as well. Oh, great. So focusing on or just talking for a minute about the finance and socially responsible investing piece, how, how much do you engage with companies or advocate for shareholders or... Right, right, yeah. Our primary mission at Green America on social investing is engaging individuals in what they can do as investors. So um, we start at the very basic level of almost everybody has a checking or savings account. So how can you green that? You know, if you're currently with a mega bank, you realize that they're not good for neighborhoods, they're taking money out of poor neighborhoods often in a predatory way. Um, they're also bad around things often like um, climate change. Even though they all have climate commitments, they're still also simultaneously funding things like fracking at this time. So how do you pull your money out of those banks, find a local institution that supports your values? And um, we have you know, a lot of resources to help people do that very simple, very direct thing. And then from there, we help people move up the ladder to things like um, you know, actual investments and things like stocks or mutual funds. How do you green that? And how do you put your money into mutual funds, for example, that are going fossil fuel free? Uh, how do you, what do you do if you inherit a portfolio of stocks and there's fossil fuels in there and you don't want to hold fossil fuels? How do you address that? You know, and how, how do you leverage the money that you have? How do you act as an active share owner when you own stocks? How do you interpret that proxy that you receive with a giant book, you know, <laughs> which most people unfortunately just recycle? <laughs> <laughs> How do you actually use that? Or even attend the share owner meeting. How do you do that if you want to really be an active share owner and actually ask questions directly of the CEO at a share owner meeting? So we do all of that and really try and get people active with their money as investors. That's great. So that's mostly education on the socially responsible investing side. Yeah, yeah. And we also do work with partners in that area, like the Social Investment Forum, various social investing organizations, active mutual funds to try and protect the shareholder process because that's frequently being um, attacked by corporations who don't really like the shareholder process where you, know, you file a resolution and everybody gets to vote on it and it's very public. 
they're trying to undermine that and make it very hard to actually challenge corporations and management through the share owner process. And we're part of a large network of groups that tries to defend that. Good. Yeah, no, that's important work. Um, and then I guess how, what kind of resources could investors find? Is it mostly just through your website? How can they find out about this? Um, yeah. The resources you have. Yeah, a lot of our resources are on our website and they're free and open to the public. So there's uh, lots of information about how you can become a socially responsible investor. Um, and through our business network, we have lots of options that are available to people there in terms of investments and advisors and so forth that people can feel comfortable working with. Um, and then we also have resources, <laughs> like if you wanted to divest your portfolio, how do you do that? Um, what does it look like? What will it do to your returns? It turns out, of course, that it actually has no effect on your returns when you divest fossil fuels <laughs> want, um, to any other portfolio. But people wonder about things like that. So sure, we try sure. and alleviate their concerns and their fears, any misconceptions they might have heard about doing socially responsible investing. They kind of just do some handholding for folks about their options that are out there and how they can get started. Um, we also do have a publication we put out every year, the Guide to Socially Responsible Investing and Better Banking. And so for people who prefer information in print, we do have, I think it's about a 32-page guide that's just basically a how-to to get involved in all aspects of social investing from banking all the way up to being an active share And that comes out every year? Yes. You yeah, say? we do, we oh, do okay. it annually. Yeah. Great. And as a nonprofit, how are you supported? Is it mostly through the members or are there grants or? Sure. Um, yeah, our, our funding mostly comes from our individual members. So people can join Green America for $35 a year and they get our publications and they support our work. Um, and people, you know, donate at that level. And then we have a number of folks who obviously donate more. So we have major donors as well to the organization. We do get some grant funding as well. Um, from foundations and um, also the business members of Green America, they pay a membership fee every year to belong as businesses to Green America. And then the businesses get listed in your directory that goes out. Yes, provided they pass our certification process, then yes, they, they then get listed. Yeah, which is a great resource for businesses to get that kind of exposure. Yeah, absolutely. They're known as the greenest businesses in the country. Yeah, no, it's good. Um, how about, do you have another example of engagement, corporate engagement that Green America has been involved with? Sure. Well, um, on our consumer side, as I mentioned, we do um, use that consumer voice of our hundreds of thousands of supporters um, to ask corporations to improve their conduct. So people write to companies, they call companies. Um, and because of that, and because companies are concerned always, if their consumers are starting to you know, wonder about their environmental practices or their labor practices, will they actually lose business? share and will they um will the brand be damaged uh, from this kind of work they start to engage with us and that's where we have a lot of our direct corporate engagement is when we're doing uh, corporate campaigns and you know we talk to companies about this is why consumers care about this issue this is why this issue is going to grow and perhaps more importantly we explain to companies if you do this green thing now you'll actually be ahead of your competitors and you'll have better market share in the future you'll have better profitability you'll be a more stable company you won't get sued for doing the wrong thing. These are all good reasons for you to do what we're asking you for. It's not going to harm your company. It's actually going to strengthen your company. And, you know, 
uh, we also talk with them about how they can do it in an economical way. Sure. Instead of being this uh, potentially negative publicity they're going to get that could turn it around. Yeah. And we always reach out to companies before we would ever reach out to consumers and ask them to target companies and, and pester companies to ask them to go green. Our first step is always we actually reach out to the company and see if they're willing to talk. And sometimes they're totally open to hearing suggestions and information and learning things. And Sometimes they actually just adopt green practices without or ever running a campaign, and we're happy to see that as well. Yeah, sure. About, about how many members do you have? Well, we um, reach about 180,000 individuals across the country um, who regularly uh, work with us. And then we have, as I said, about 3,000 businesses across the country uh, that work with us as business members. That's great. And about how many of these consumer actions do you do a year? Is, is there a, or does it depend on the size of the action? Uh, it, it does depend a little bit. Um, so with a, we engage probably in terms of urging companies to move forward with maybe eight to 10 companies a year uh, total. Um, and for each of those uh, campaigns, we might do several actions actually. So there's an email action alert. There might be a social media date of action. There can be telephone days of action for people to call the company directly. Um, we sometimes actually do live events uh, that people can show up for um, and at a company's headquarters, at a share owner meeting, things like that. We'll sometimes do that as well. Oh, that's a pretty big, and is that, would you consider that one of your bigger focuses is, I mean, I know you have a lot going on with the, the directory and all these other issues but that seems like that would be a pretty time consuming effort. Yeah, we have several staff who are dedicated um, exclusively to trying to get large corporations to green their practices and using that consumer voice to get them to do so. So there's about five or six uh, folks who just work on that area of organization. Um, and it is a big part of our work and it grew over time. Um, we really started more engaging consumers on greening their individual practices um, but then, uh, which we still do, but we also realize that even if a million people green their practices, not quite the same effect as if we get a large corporation to green something because they're, all their customers, millions and millions of their customers are taking part in a green action because the company greened itself. Um, so we'd like to do both, get individuals on board and green their lives, and then also get those large corporations to move in a green direction just because the impact is so enormous when they do. Yeah, I agree with you. That makes a lot of sense. Could you give a, just a couple examples of some of the engagements you're currently involved with? Uh, sure. Well, we've been working uh, on the telecommunications sector. Uh, for example, we have a campaign called Hang Up on Fossil Fuels. Where we're encouraging the large telecoms. Uh, there's four <coughs> large-sized telecoms in the United States, which are AT&T, Verizon, Sprint, and T-Mobile. Um, so we're encouraging them all to adopt 100% clean energy to run all their massive networks and servers, uh. keep everything going for us. Because collectively, they use a huge amount of electricity, kind of similar to all the households in New York City, actually. Um, so that because we're always on our phones all the time, we're always talking, we're texting, we're downloading, we're streaming. All that stuff takes a huge amount of energy collectively. And that industry was mostly not using any 
uh, clean energy. There was very little clean energy being used about a year or so ago. So when we looked at that sector, we realized, wow, this is a huge amount of energy and there's a huge opportunity here for these companies to go green. Uh, we started reaching out to them and it turned out that T-Mobile was actually very interested and was on a pathway already to looking at clean energy. So when we talked to them, they said, oh, hold on, we're about to make a big announcement. And they actually went 100% clean energy by 2021. So they're- And you're saying T-Mobile in their manufacturing or their- like uh, Their operations. No, it's actually the running of all their networks. Uh, the manufacturing is, of okay. course, by like Samsung or Apple or whoever yeah. owns. But it's so sort of an embedded carbon footprint in that. But really, we were just talking about their day-to-day -day operations of what they do as a business, which is to handle all those phone calls and streaming, all that data. Um, would you make that 100% clean energy powered? Um, and they, uh, T-Mobile was totally on board. And not only were they on board, when we started targeting AT&T and Verizon, they joined us and said, well, we're making 100% clean energy commitment. Why can't these two big companies make 100% clean energy commitment? And then shortly after that, AT&T started down a pathway of purchasing clean energy. And they're approximately 30% commitment to clean energy now, from zero to 30s. Yeah. Or about 2%. So from 2% to 30 is, is quite good. Um, Verizon's the one that hasn't really moved yet. And we've tried talking to them, and we've been using the consumer voice. Um, but right now, they're stuck at 2% clean energy. And what does that entail if they are, so they're running all these, um, I guess, warehouses of computers to manage the data. I mean, aren't they just plugging into the grid where they are? But you're saying, or you're saying they could select to, I mean, how would they choose clean energy or, or yeah, a lot of times what they do, it's, it can be simple or complex depending on, on how the corporation situated, but you know, simple. They some companies literally do contract to have either a solar farm or a wind farm built that powers a data center directly. Okay, that's the most direct version of this. But in some cases, you're right; it's not exactly possible because the power they're using is distributed across large amounts of terrain, such as like cell phone towers and so forth. So then what companies generally do is they build enough wind or solar capacity to match what they're using there and they bring it onto the grid. So it's not per se that those electrons are exactly flowing. So right. The electrons are on the grid and are equivalent to the ones they're using. So therefore they are creating. Yeah, their net use is being covered by renewable energy. Right, exactly. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and I guess they're a big enough consumer that they probably have more options than the typical household. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They have a lot yeah. of options. Yeah. Yeah. Any other that come to mind of current actions or recent actions? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we have a campaign called Skip the Slip, um, and it's all about receipts. So every day when we go shopping, you go to the store, you go to groceries, you go, uh, um, you, know, uh, you go to CVS, and you go to any of the stores that you shop at, um, you're generally just handed a receipt. So that little piece of paper, um, or a long piece of paper, depending if you're going to CVS, it's very long, obviously. <laughs> you, um, yeah. You're getting two problems there, one of which is that there's a huge amount of resources ultimately embedded in all that paper because there's millions upon millions of those transactions happening every day, and that adds up to a huge amount of energy used to produce that paper. And then mostly it gets thrown away, so then it's... Right. It's 
landfills. And so that also creates emissions and other problems down the line. The other problem is that almost all of those receipts are coated in um, a chemical called BPS, which mm. is a chemical. It's very similar to BPA, which a bunch of companies moved off of BPA because consumers realized that it's a toxin and it's bad for you and disrupts your endocrine system. But apparently BPS from research uh, actually has very similar effects. So they just move from one bad chemical really to another. So you're now handling every day um, something where BPS is coming off in your hand, going into your skin and going into your body. And it's not really a safe chemical to be absorbing. So for consumers, that's bad. And for workers at the store, it's far worse because they're doing thousands of transactions. So they're constantly touching these receipts that have this chemical on it. So we're really urging all these large retailers to move off of that, offer electronic receipts for customers who want them. And for customers who want a paper receipt, go with a non-toxic option, which is readily available at this point. So we have a campaign right now on CVS. Um, because they do actually offer an electronic option, uh, you just have to know proactively to go to the store and tell somebody, I want the electronic option. Uh, they don't market it. They don't encourage people to do it. And they give out those enormous receipts that everybody makes fun of. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So I think it's time for them to really step up and move more people into digital receipts and to make their paper receipts non-toxic. That's great. And how are you how are you coming up with these different areas? I know you cover a whole bunch of areas you address between, you know, labor, finance, food, social justice, climate. How are you identifying what companies or what areas to go at? Yeah, I mean we do have um, some core areas of Green America where we've decided that these are some of the issue areas where these are the biggest problems facing society and where the biggest solutions can happen. And so they are organized around energy, um, labor, uh, food, and finance. Um, and so in other areas where we feel like the consumer investor voice can be very powerful as well. Um, and partly it's driven by <laughs> The fact that those are areas where we can actually make real change with these large corporations and get them on board and, you know, green their practices in a way where it's going to have a huge impact. Um, and partly it's driven by our consumer members. These are issues that they really care about and they respond to them and tell us that, yes, we're really excited that you're working in these areas. This is a really important issue to me and I'm really happy to see you doing this. So it's a combination of impact and excitement amongst consumers. That's great. And so if people want to get involved, uh, what's the best way, I guess, to get in touch with you or get in touch with Green America? Yeah, if you go to our website um, at greenamerica.org, um, there's going to be pop-up windows that pop up that ask you if you'd like to sign up for our newsletter. Um, and there's also a page where you can sign up for a newsletter. So and if you do sign up for our email newsletter, we'll send you a couple times a week information you can use. Some of it's, um, you know, like green tips and strategy emails, and some of it is actions that you can take uh, to try and encourage large corporations to move and change their practices. So you get a mix of that. You can also become a member. There's, you know, if you donate to Green America, uh, you get our publications throughout the year um, and you're supporting the organization and its mission and all the work we're doing in the world. People can get active that way as well. That's great. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Todd, for your time. This is important work you're doing.
Well, thank you. Thanks for the interview. And uh, certainly um, come back to us anytime in the future and we're happy to talk with you. All right. I hope that was useful. It's good to know about Green America. They're a good resource to be aware of in this area. They do a lot of good work. Uh, and thank you for listening to the Impact Financial Planners podcast. This has been brought to you by AIO Financial. If you need help with any part of your finances, investing, taxes, retirement planning, insurance, please contact AIO Financial. They're fiduciaries fee only for a free meeting, AIOfinancial.com. As always, I love your feedback. I've gotten a little bit more, so I'm going to continue to ask for it. Please feel free to email me, uh, comment. I guess commenting is the best because then other people can see the comments. And if there's questions, instead of me just sending an email back, everyone can see the answers to issues or questions that, that you brought up or input. If you have other thoughts, um, it would be great to hear them. Uh, all right. Take care. Thanks. Thanks.